0: Today is Friday, October 8th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 429 featuring Barstool Sports. Dan Greenberg is powered by Legends Apparel. Go to Legends.com, use the promo code BEAT20, that's BEAT20, to get 20% off your whole order. All right, here we go again. Another nice new addition to Celtics beat. Thank you for being here with us. I'm Adam Kaufman. Certainly, you know Evan Valenti, who's getting in the I don't know rocky shape right now. I think it, whatever he can do to to, to uh, I was going to say whatever he could do to beat off Drago, but I guess I, I guess I just did. I guess yeah. it still you know it's, it still works. We, we yeah. can still do it nailed it, it buddy yeah, yeah nailed it i mean nailed i it. could
1: use a workout though i'm, I'm this this whole like covid thing trying to catch up to me so
0: nailed uh, it and I mean, way to draw attention to it yeah. right we've got uh, dan greenberg greenie as you all know him on twitter who is here with us from barstool and uh you know sometimes i i think we need to be introspective folks i think sometimes we need to just sort of really be able to look in the mirror and know ourselves. And there was a point in time, maybe it was back in the Celtics seven days on the sports hub and uh, you know, just all the, I've gotten a little lazy, I guess on Twitter, but all the general interaction, especially around trade deadlines and free agency and every single game. And there was a point in time there really was, I believe this, this is not me being full of myself. I believe this to be true. There was a point in time where I think when people were looking for Celtics positivity, they were looking for green goggles You know, they, they, they turned to me, Uh, you know, they, they turned to me. I was getting a lot of it in my Twitter interactions, but you know, sometimes folks, you you just, you got to kiss the ring. I have been (laughs) surpassed there. There is a, there is a new, uh, as, as your colleague and our friend, Jared Carabas likes to call himself. There is a new tribal chief for Twitter when it comes to Celtics basketball, certainly. And that is uh, that is absolutely Dan Greenberg. Greeny, what's going on, buddy?
2: Well, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Usually usually a statement like that is, is prefaced by calling you a homer or a green teamer. And I just, listen, I can't, I can't. I think
0: sometimes we need that in our lives, though. I think, you know, because there's so much negativity out there, especially concerning
2: this team historically. Sometimes yeah. we just, we need a nice, positive place to go. I just think it's okay to remind people that, like, you don't have to hate your favorite basketball team. <laughs> Like it's okay <laughs> yeah, to uh, imagine that, right? enjoy watching them play. It's okay to be excited about them. Uh, I know that's not really, you know, always the the blueprint for the city which we all love. But it is okay to like, you know, your favorite basketball team. I just want to make that clear for the people out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, we do our best. I, I really do believe that we do our best on this show to to call it as we see it. I, I really don't think, Evan. I mean, feel free to disagree with me here. I don't think we pander to any one side. You know, if, if things are going poorly, we call it out. If things are going well, we celebrate it. And I think we, you know, emphasize those two things. And I, I, I do believe that because so much you look at like our, and this is a good time for me to remind you if, if you like Celtics beat or if you listen every week, but you haven't subscribed, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. I, I don't say that nearly enough. So we could always use more reviews and subscribers and appreciate everybody that listens, obviously, but you read through the reviews. And I, I think that's evidence in and of itself. It's, you know, like Kaufman's too positive, you know, he's too negative, Valenti, same thing, you know? So I, I think that if, if we're, you know, rubbing people the wrong way or the right way, depending on how you want to look at it, then uh, this, you know, I, I, I think it fits perfectly.
2: Yeah. And I just, my pushback, and, and this is mostly due a lot of what we heard last year was a down year. So, you know, that these weird narratives are going to pop up to pile on and sort of exacerbate things but like the negative things that i hear aren't even real like basketball things it's like oh the T-, you know Jason and Tatum aren't best aren't friends so you got to <laughs> split them up or like oh Brad doesn't motivate his players it's like those things it's like we can talk and be negative or critical of like actual basketball reasons and things that have merit What I always push back about and where I think people just call me a blind green teamer is like when we're debating things that have nothing to do with basketball and they didn't exist when the team, like nobody talked about the the two J's friendship when they were going to the Eastern conference finals, but in a down year where they have injuries and COVID and all that stuff. Oh, now we got to split them up because like they don't hang out when like who the hell knows what they do off the court. So that's just what bothers me is like, I'm all for being critical of, You know, bad ball movement, wax schedule defense, like there's plenty of stuff that has actual substance you can talk about. It's the other stuff that's like, okay, this is clearly just a narrative for entertainment, people need to understand that and not like form actual basketball opinions off it that's what annoys me
0: I just don't even get how it's entertaining to sit there and talk about like these guys aren't close enough and I just to build on what you're talking about like obviously for anyone that hasn't seen it good friend of this program Chris Forsberg NBC Sports Boston did a great job of I'm kind of surprised it hadn't happened sooner and maybe it's pandemic restrictions and that sort of thing tougher to get one on ones or you know Mm. sit both guys down if you're a rights holder or, or anybody out there in the media but finally getting both of them Tatum and Brown to not just sit down and talk about one another but to sit down and talk about one another together in the same room and dissect this friendship and and it's look nothing came out of it that you wouldn't expect to come out of it you think they're going to sit next to each other and say "Eh." "No, of course obviously everything's great like oh tatum saying sometimes he, he babysits my son and you know i brown with the talking about the gold medal, which obviously he couldn't participate with team USA because of the injury this year. And you know, it, what you want for, uh, for yourself, you want for your brother and all of that stuff. It's, it's great. Like clearly they are aligned. I just think the the whole narrative about the relationship between stars in general, it's sort of funny in this way. Like you think of like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are the best of friends. How's that working out in Brooklyn right now is he hasn't, he certainly hasn't been able to get Kyrie vaccinated so he can participate and in, in home games this season or, Milwaukee, who obviously just won a championship, does anyone ever talk about the dynamic off the floor in terms of Giannis Antetokounmpo and and Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday? No, never, unless, I don't know, I got to drill down on my Milwaukee Bucks (laughs) stories coming out of Wisconsin, but I don't think anybody is ever talking about that, especially on a national level, and maybe, maybe this is the root of it, maybe it's because... They're two wildly different players. They don't overlap at all positionally, anything like that. And it comes back to what Sean Devaney's talked about on this show a number of times, and Cedric Maxwell's talked about, Kevin Garnett has talked about nationally. Is there a redundancy there in terms of the players on the floor? And that turns into the whole conversation about how do these guys coexist?
2: Yeah, and I think – and I'm not going to take credit for it. I saw it on Twitter. Uh, I can't remember. It was just like a random. It got thrown on my feed. But another duo is like, when have you heard people question Steph Curry and Clay Thompson? And if they hang out off the court, they've found a way to be pretty successful. Um, and, and to your <laughs> It might have been
1: I me. I tweeted this yesterday. I I, oh, I, I, I don't give it – see, I don't care about any of this stuff. Like, this – Steph and Clay, like Steph's the greatest teammate ever. So that works out really well. And Clay just is this super laid back guy. Nobody, can, and they've won multiple rings together. Even throw Draymond in there, who's a, uh, a hornet's nest still works. Nobody questions that. Did anybody question, you know, do Raphael Devers and, and Sandra Bogarts, they get along? Where's that story? Like, here's my the-
0: pushback on that one. It's just a different sport.
1: No, but you have to get along with your teammates. I don't care how many play. Like, okay, let's go to hockey. Where's the Marchand and, and Bergeron story? Like, just because...
0: Hockey's fine. Like, hockey works. Uh, but we talk about their relationship all the time and how close they are and how much they love and respect one another. I just don't think in baseball it works because, as we've seen from Mike Trout, Shohei Ohtani, got, like, one guy cannot carry a baseball team. It just can't happen. Look at Jacob deGrom and the Mets all these years. But in basketball, where you have to work together, where there's a fluidity, where there's a chemistry, where you have to coexist, and hockey, obviously, like, hockey absolutely fits. Football, baseball, it doesn't really work. I think that's why that narrative isn't isn't a thing there.
1: Like none of those stories exist. Like I don't care. Like no hockey. There's not a hockey story like that. There's. It, it seems to be solely focused on these two guys specifically. Like I can now, make a the argument against for like Ben and Joel is the other version of that. Like they didn't get along on, but but they clearly didn't yeah. work on the court. Like that right. is a clear. Like those two guys can't coexist on the floor together because the spacing is all screwed up. Right. It doesn't work. Are you mm-hmm. looking at Doesn't other Gasper duos? Al- Doesn't
2: Gasper always say that winning is the ultimate deodorant? I feel like that's right. like a classic Gasper line. So I feel I like, like we heard so and think of the teams that we have mentioned, right? The Bucks, the Warriors, they win. We didn't hear any of this stuff about the 2J's when the Celtics weren't having a-, a year from hell. So that's what I'm interested to see this year and if, you know, they have the normal health, like th- they don't need perfect health, but if things are, you know, a normal NBA season, and they have the success that we've grown accustomed to during their tenure, I doubt we'll see those same unnamed sources, you know, speaking to so-and-so. I think it was just when they struggle, those are the things that get created, and you just, like, you have no one to blame but yourself. Like, be better on the floor, and those things, you know, won't become a media sort of tornado.
0: Maybe this is me, like, I don't know if it's a hot take or if it's just, like, scratching an itch, basically, but when's – when's the last time you can think of two Celtic stars where we debated how well, or if they got along, if they could coexist on the floor, it like not this stuff. I feel like you almost have to go back to like the eighties when it, you know, it, when it wasn't even really a thing, because to your point, Greeny, they were winning. So who gives a crap, but like before, and here's where the scratching and itch part comes into play before Kyrie Irving was here. Who was the ultimate superstar who just doesn't get along with anybody? Ooh. This was never a thing. Like no and and again, like Tatum and Brown, they were young, they were barely in the league, they were having success. So it wasn't, you know, it, it, it fits to what you were just talking about, where maybe it wasn't just timely. There were there weren't these struggles. But until the eighteen nineteen season, when everything gradually started to go to crap you know, in, in, in a Celtic sense compared to expectations, obviously they haven't gone to crap overall, but you know what I mean? Like this was never a narrative. This was never a thing. Like we didn't even really, I'm trying to remember, like we didn't, did we, we never even really had this media work differently, but we never even really had this conversation with like Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. We certainly didn't, you know, in, in, in the new big three era, the Ray Allen thing was legitimate. Like that wasn't a media creation. That was a, so if anyone's like listening and just shouting Ray Allen, idiot, Ray Allen, Rondo, like that was a real thing. That wasn't, that wasn't just talking heads. Like this is talking heads. There is no evidence whatsoever that we know about publicly where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are not on the same page.
2: That's, that's what was always my biggest point is like, We hear this narrative, it gets spun into be treated as fact. And it's like, okay, show me the evidence where they're like, you know, fighting on the bench. Or like, you know, there's a video clip of them, you know, publicly dogging the other one, like with their inner circle. They're just, none of that stuff existed. And I think to your point, if the media and the need for daily content existed during the Antoine Pierce era, my guess is we probably would have had some of that you know, in the early two thousands. But again, as you all know, the team wasn't good. So of course there would have been that same sort of, you know, you know, rift or quote unquote rift between the two. And Pierce uh, did want out. <laughs> yeah. He did eventually want out until, you know, Danny or Kevin McHale saved us. But yeah. it was just one of the, it's just one of those things where I truly think, you know, if they're going to speak publicly to, together, we're going to get quotes like we saw yesterday, which obviously I'm going to eat up because it fits my narrative, there could be somebody who has, you know, a, a opposite narrative that's going to take, you know, an unnamed source quote and treat that as fact because it fits their narrative. The end of the, at the end of the day, if this team wins, no one's going to be talking about their off court relationship. It's just, they, I personally think they mesh well together on the court. That's all I truly care about, but we need to see it translate into wins and then, all the other stuff will just, you know, fizzle out, I think.
1: Yeah, these guys, these guys might not be Steph and Clay, but they're not Kobe and Shaq either. So it's, it's there's like two sides of the spectrum here. Like, are, again, Steph is the greatest teammate of all time. He's, he's phenomenal. Uh, everything you read about Steph's personality is like, yeah, that's exactly what you'd want in a teammate. And Clay is only nec. Meanwhile, you know, Shaq and Kobe legitimately hate each other. And it's not like, you know, it took, it took what years for them to score that beef off and like, mm-hmm. you know, they say that it, they they took care of it, you know. It, but you know, did they real? I don't know. We just we have to go by their word here. It's similar here with with Jalen and Jason. But it what what makes me I guess like happy in a sense is just like how f- how funny and like how they you can tell in the the interview that they found the fact that they have to do five minutes in this like sort of ridiculous. Like, it. it's
0: absurd.
1: It's yeah. like. Tatum's like he's like, man, I hate like they have an unhealthy obsession with our relationship. And I'm like, I freaking agree with that. We we people care way too much about whether they hang out all the time, uh, you know, outside of basketball. Look, you're spending a lot of time with these people throughout the entire season. You don't have to spend every second with them off the court too. Like, you need some time to yourself. So I this is I, I'm glad somebody did it. I'm glad they did it. Let's just get this out of the way. It's so dumb. Yeah. um but it really doesn't matter at all as long as you get together along on the court it's fine nobody cares
2: as long as the plus, basketball fit works i'll put yeah. up with anything well plus if if we're going to
0: spend time truly like wasting time you know it's uh, which we're kind of doing on the show but it's i don't know it's fun i feel like this is a topic that at least this side of the topic needs to be exhausted a little bit just to call everybody else stupid if if we're going to waste time to like Media driven narratives that, that aren't true or, or, even possibly realistic. Can't we at least focus on like the negative ones? Like, boy, you see Donovan Mitchell out there
1: tweeting about the Patriots and, no, I'm eating that up just, too, though. I'm into tweeting that. Tweeting about I'm... the Red oh, Sox. Of know, course, Donovan this guy Mitchell wants to be a Celtic.
2: For sure.
1: <laughs> I love this. See, I love, I love every, I painted this so, cause, it all started in the bubble when Jalen. When is the Donovan, Bruins like, tweet? Just give well me the
0: Bruins run. tweet, Donovan, I'm and then awesome. then I'm locked in.
1: I'm so yeah. into it. He's like, man, Fenway's rocking. And I'm like, yeah, bro, it's awesome. You should totally check it out. Like What's that I, dude in the red sleeves. Um, yeah. I mean, like, dude, could you could make it any more obvious? And then, of course, you listen to Lowe and, and Simmons on their podcast this week talking about how, like, you know, is this a, a make or break year for Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz? Like, if it doesn't go well. You know you know at what point, maybe does Donovan ask out 'cause and like that's part of the reason why they brought Dwayne Wade in is because Donovan looks up to Wade and you know Wade can be like on his shoulder and they can have that you know voice in his ear to keep maybe in Utah, but like all the stuff he's tweeting nowadays about about New England sports, I'm not gonna lie definitely just like my ears are up and like my i I'm all over this, I think it's great. I swear, I think, just like
0: give me, give me, give me just one tweet from Donovan Mitchell saying, like, damn, I gotta try that Pasternak Knock Pasta. And yeah. I am a lo- lot I'm locked in. I will go out, I will go to NBA.com and I will make a Mitchell Celtics jersey.
2: I mean, it's when you think about it, right? It's it's the perfect like stealth, you know, page out of Danny Angel's old playbook where like we're all talking Bradley Beal or Zach Levine. Meanwhile, it's like okay, they unloaded Kemba's deal those extensions happened, which eliminated in theory, their cap space for this summer. But you keep looking down, you see when Donovan Mitchell expires, you see, you know, what their cap situation could look like in the next two, three years. And it's like, he does fit the age timeline of your two best players. He does seem to have a real friendship with Jalen Brown. Like maybe that has always been the long play and, you know, they're just, they're signing Rob and smart and all these to the extensions in the event that that doesn't become possible. Okay. We still have a core that we like, but I know I've been tweeting about it ever since I see all them putting out videos in the bubble together, like Jalen's bothering the hell out of Mitchell. It's like, they're all hanging out. It's like, okay, I think there might be a little, you know, you know, espionage going on here that no one's really paying attention to.
0: I just love all the jerks that responded to my tweet with the. And I, you're not really jerks if you're listening. I, I love you just the same. But all you know, trying to crush the dream. But like it, well, he was, he's from Connecticut. He went to school yeah. in New Hampshire. Like things like he's like, of course, he's a New England sports fan. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Like this is. I, I'm right near. I am a walking version. I've even got a a, a Brad T-shirt on. I am a walking <laughs> version of 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 the Greeny Brad picture in response yeah. to tweets. <laughs> That's that's what think, we're doing like, right now.
2: If I see if I see any sort of shamrock on any one of his posts or profiles or anything, I'm just gonna He's I'm gonna scouring
1: leave. his Instagram profile. Yeah, what's, that's that's who's he Responding that's to what's he writing about? Keep track of his likes on Twitter, man. There might be some in there. You never know. Yep. it could be the red flag. <laughs> that's all I'm saying jazz out of his profile or whatever all right
0: let's talk about what what matters and what is happening and not the fact the team is 1-0 in the preseason nice as that is and a nice game winner there Romeo Langford. that was exciting but uh you know I think the the bigger takeaways are obviously one you got Jalen Brown, who says he's at, what, 75%, 80% and looked just locked in in game one right. after the wrist surgery, 25 points. Tatum obviously did pretty well. Both those guys and everybody, minutes were limited, as you expect. I think a lot of interesting comments out of Ime Odoka, the new head coach so far with, you know, the the defensive emphasis and obviously – playmaking. And, you know, we're, we're not going to, in his words, we're not going to bitch at the refs anymore. Like our guys need to stop doing that. Uh, we need to all be on the same page. He's going to tighten the rotation. There are a lot of different things that have come out so far, among other things, obviously. And we were talking about some of them off air before we started the show. What are the, the big takeaways you have so far early in camp?
2: So it was tough. Cause I think, I think we were all like foaming at the mouth for that first preseason game, just with guys back new new system new everything outside of like the first couple possessions in the first quarter where they made it abundantly obvious that they were going to overpass to sort of stress this idea of ball movement as the game went on and you know they're playing a a team of lower you know t- a lower tier team in theory of the magic I saw They're a lot of the same tier. stuff. We can, we
1: can come uh, out and say they are flat-out lower tier. That's, that's, that's okay. Yeah, that's, yeah that's 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 you know what I mean. them a wholesale give them rebuild there. right there. You
2: know, see what they end up being. But in theory, a lower team, I still saw a lot of the same things that annoyed me last year. I thought their perimeter defense wasn't great. You know, Robert Williams still struggled on switches. They didn't really – they gave up, you know, 18, 19 threes to one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league. Um, they, they didn't really – assert themselves and create that separation you know they were in a dogfight all the way obviously until Romeo's game winner so part of me is like okay it's it's the first game let's see you know it's a teaching opportunity they'll get film on it email will walk them through so that's why I'm so interested to see tomorrow night because the second key unit came in still couldn't score just like last year's second unit couldn't score and obviously maybe there are nerves with with guys like Schroeder and Horford being back. But, you know, I'm still nervous about Josh Richardson's shooting. I'm still nervous about how they're going to be able to score when, you know, the Jays aren't on the floor. So my hope is, is that we get answers to those questions as they continue to play in the preseason. But for me, it was like, okay, I can see that they're trying to pass the ball more, which is great. They're playing with much more energy, which is great but their result was very similar to me of the type of a Celtic game that we all experienced last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at the, the – the offensive numbers weren't tremendous. Uh, I mean, Rob Williams going 0 for 7 is sort of uh... – you know, that's not going to happen too many times from, you know, from here to the rest of the season. I mean, he was taking jump shots. And look, I was going
2: all mid-range jumpers. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm cool with that. Like, I'm I'm not, like,
1: I'm not mad about that. I think he should experiment in the preseason doing that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I think that's exactly what the preseason's for. So, again, I don't have any issues with that at all whatsoever. It's more about, like, you know, some guys shaking the rust off, learning how to, you know, play with each other. Like, and this is all going to be, you know, think stuff that takes time. Um, but I'm with you on this one, Greeny. The, the, and, like, I'm not going to lie. Maybe we'll get to this a little bit later. Part of me, I really I – I'm a little worried about Pritchard because I think Schroeder's uh, excellent. Um, mm. I think he's exactly what they kind of need, and that's where the bench scoring might primarily come from, a guy like that. But, yeah, they're the, – you know, it's not going to be Smith. It's not going to be Pritchard. It's not going to be, you know, Josh Richardson – somebody's going to have to take onus to that second unit. And you've heard Eme talk about staggering Jalen and Jason and, and how they're going to make that work. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the bench numbers, you know, Horford was two for six. Grant only took two shots, so it wasn't like it was a huge deal. Schroeder one for seven. Richardson one for eight. Pritchard three for nine. So, you know, there's some rough shooting numbers in there. And, look, it's the first game, knock the rust off, whatever. But I, I'm with you. That's That scoring, That that second unit scoring is going to be really tough. And that's why – It's really important on the offensive end to the defensive end to do well.
2: Yeah, and I would think like for me, my what I wanted to see initially because, like you said, as they practice more, as guys get more familiar with how Eme wants to play, I think you know the third, the fourth, those preseason games, you can put a little more stock into like the box score numbers and how the production looks right away. I just wanted to see will they pass the ball? Will they play with energy? You know, the things that were not very consistent last year that have nothing to do with system or, you know, like it doesn't you don't need to know a system to play hard. And I think that's what we saw right away is I saw a team that played, you know, like it like they cared. And I think that was great. The production to be determined. We have to see it come through. Um, but I'm just. I'm interested to see if if Schroeder, because he's not that good of an off-ball player, you know, he's a 32, 33% three-point shooter, Is can Pritchard thrive in that role? But if he's also going to be playing with, you know, one of the Jays, is he even going to touch the ball? Like, I felt like he was out there, and he wasn't even, like, he didn't even touch the ball for possessions. And when he did, it was the early Pritchard where, like, He was the freshman playing with varsity where he would catch the ball dribble like two or three times and immediately pass it like if he's going to be an off ball player on the second unit I need him to just catch it grip it and rip it and let it fly and you know trust his development as a shooter.
0: Let's take a quick break, tell you about, uh, our good friends at the Legends brand who powered this show today. An athlete owned apparel that is, uh, apparel brand that is popping up seemingly everywhere these days. I've been tweeting about them as well. Many pro locker rooms. You can find Legends apparel and on today's, some of, uh, some of today's top athletes as well. Legends owned in part by athletes like Steve Nash, Matt Barnes, Baker Mayfield, NFL legend, local hero, William McGinnis, part of the family, even former Celtic Marcus Morris Sr., many others as well. Legends makes high-performance apparel, with a style and comfort, you will want to wear all day. Evan, if you are watching the video, rocking the hoodie as he always does. He doesn't take it off. I tell you that all the time. I, I uh, wash it to, to to just curtail all of. You the wash community. it. I I do wash this. So it's you okay. wash it, and then you put it immediately back on. You don't even wait for it to dry, but it's a performance fit, so that's okay. It dries on you. Uh, normally, I'm wearing the sweatshirt or the t shirt, but I decide today I'm just gonna I'm gonna bring the t shirt along so I can really get it close to the camera and show it to you. Show you this great material. This guy. I wish you could feel the cotton, right, right through here. But you can see it. You can see how nice it's. It's thick. It's right. We got uh, man. It, it Nike, uh, we got nylon and polyester. It's a work hard, stay humble. All this great
1: stuff from legends. Here's the logo right here. Yeah, the, the polyester right. makes it more durable, and the nylon Adam makes it stretch. So if you're curious as to why Adam read those, the performance wear is built mainly on those two fabrics, right? Or yep. Like those fabrics. So you have the, 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 who everybody hates if you buy a shirt for, you know, if you buy a t-shirt for $60, like the, if you, if it gets ruined in three wears or three washes, like you're going to be pissed. The, the polyester in the, in that shirt makes it more durable. Nylon makes it stretchable. My question for Kaufman, hmm. have you tried, you got the shorts, right? Got the shorts too. Yeah. Okay. Did we, did we figure out, like, are you supposed to like, do you wear underwear with that? Do you not wear underwear with that? Like, how does that work? Because you've got the inside like built in. You, right. you You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's it's that not, built in like underwear. No, like, I hear I it it's,
0: it's not. A, it's not a riddle. I found an answer to yet. I'm still. I'm. Have I'm, you tried I'm both
1: bad. ways? Because I tried both ways and they both feel fine. So I'm just kind of figuring yeah, out. Do where you have you're you're a at.
0: favorite though? Do you lean in one direction? Hmm. Do I you you say? It? I don't know if you want to know the answer to that. <laughs> I, I, I I I feel like now I know the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think you need to say it. It's marvelous. But that's, but that's okay, because you feel safe. It's a safe you feel speed. protected. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it's terrific. Listen, visit Legends.com today. See why athletes everywhere and us are swapping out the big box brands for Legends apparel. Use BEAT20, that is the code, beat T two zero and save 20% on your first order. Again, Legends.com, promo code BEAT20, offer ends October 10th, which, if you are paying attention... Is Sunday, just yep. a couple of days away from when this thing is uh, being released to all of you. So, depending on when you're listening, you better act quickly. Again, beat20legends.com offer ends October 10th. So, uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. It's great. Greeny, you need to, you need to make the move, man. No, yeah, I, th- I
2: mean, I've, that looks, you're pretty, a tall drink of water. Soft. It'll we fit you great. That fabric looks pretty soft.
1: It's awesome. It's fitted too. It's, I wear this all the time. I walk my dog in the morning, uh, like, now I gotta throw something else on. Um it's like forty getting a little cold out there now, for you. So it's, and it's not like I'm up at like seven. It's like five fifty this morning mm-hmm. when I went out to walk the dog, because that's when she gets up. So
0: some morning dew and all that stuff out there. Yeah.
1: She, it's all it's, and you gotta you gotta be comfortable. You gotta be you gotta be comfortable. And this is definitely gives you comfort and it gives you style and it gives you warmth. So it's like the trifecta, oh. essentially. Let's
0: go back to talking about these Cs here and uh, some of the individuals that we've been talking about, let's get a little more expansive. For one Josh Richardson. Now, obviously, this guy... You know, there were headlines at the at the time that they traded for him and hopefully it'll be a bounce back year and he's going to shoot better and he's going to defend relentlessly and he's going to fit great. And then that, you know, we fast forward to him getting an extension, even team friendly, maybe, obviously, depending on how he plays and a tradable contract doesn't mean he's going to be here for two years. But nevertheless, a lot of people just breaking down what all this means. You watch preseason game number one, and I don't want this to be a, Takeaway on preseason game number one, as much as it's just an extension of what we saw last year throughout an entire regular season. Do we
2: have to worry this guy's washed? Um, I don't know. I think his debut was pretty much like how he's advertised. Right? I thought his defense was legit. He had, you know, he was good on the perimeter. Everything that we've heard about him being an on-ball defender, I think we saw. But on the flip side, everything we saw about his shaky shooting, like, that showed up. His form legit gives me anxiety when I see him. It's like he comes up. It's all broken. Like, even – not even from three. Like, even on his little 15-, 16-foot jumpers, it's just one of those where, like, you close your eyes and hope it goes in. Whereas you look at, you know, someone like a Tatum, a Brown, a Pritchard, like, when they shoot it, I'm surprised that they miss when I'm watching Josh Richardson take those pull-ups, I'm surprised if he makes it. So I'm hoping maybe part of that... Don't worry, there wasn't start. a lot of
0: that in game one.
2: I know, but I'm thinking that's why... And I sort of want to expand on this to a question to both of you. When it comes to you know their starting five, a lot of people think he's going to be the starting wing. Are you okay with having a non-floor spacer in that three spot? Or do you lean more towards maybe a double big with Horford and Rob, maybe one big with Neesmith eventually starting? Because I just think they they can get value out of him for his defense, but that jumper is giving me no signs of confidence that it's going to be any different than what we just saw in, in Dallas.
1: Eva, I'll let you go first. Um, I could make the argument that, like, because you got to st- stagger the Tatum-Brown minutes. I don't think I – I wouldn't start him. Let's just start there. I would not start Josh Richardson. I would make him, like, the first sub for Jalen.
2: Yeah. So then and, are you going double big or are you going – I with, want the double like, big.
1: I, I think uh, they'll uh, end up with the double big to start. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I think Neesmith starting um, is – look, I there's an obvious – if he's going to knock down 40% of his threes, and that's great. They need a floor spacer like that, whether it's going to be a starter or a guy off the bench. So, I mean, mm. it doesn't matter. I think to start the year, they'll go with the guys that they know, and I think you know, Eme and Brad's past history with Al will dictate that he starts. Um, yeah. You know, we have well, especially you know, with
0: everybody talking about how Al's found the fountain of youth. He exactly. looks as He had feels as good as he, had yeah. was, as good as he the has. The words
1: were out of my game. mouth. That was my next next point. It's like they seem to be hyping him up, so I think that's that's where they're headed. Um, And I don't have any problem with that because I do think it's better than it was. We had like a whole podcast dedicated to this a couple weeks ago, Um, how the double big lineup with Rob and Al makes way more sense than Tice and Tristan. Okay. Um, So I think they'll start there. Richardson for me is not a starter. Um, And I, I, even if it's matchup dependent, I just don't, I I don't care for the offense that he can't provide, but I do think defensively he brings a lot. And I think if you're Jalen Brown, you know, finding a way to partner those two guys together is like one guy's on, one guy's off. You don't lose defense at that spot with either guy. I mean, I think, you know, Jalen has had times where he's slipped defensively because he isn't totally focused on that end, but then we've seen him guard Kevin Durant and do really well. So it's just a matter of, you know, is Jalen focused or not and and doing enough on that end. Um, Richardson knows he has to hang his head on that end. So I think having that guy off the bench is nice, but having him and smart at the floor at the same time with Jalen, Jason, and what Al as your starting five? Like, I, I just don't, I don't love it. I don't love it. I think they'd be better off with, with, uh, with, you know, Rob in there or Neesmith, who really gives you some shooting.
0: Yeah. I want the double bigs. I think the double bigs make sense. I also think keeping some level of offense on your bench so that we have some balance to the rotation, to the lineup. You know, if, if Neesmith can be a reliable offensive performer, and I'm not talking about him averaging 15 points or something like that, but I don't know, giving you something in the 8 to 10, 11 window, something like that, and then obviously if, if Schroeder can give you a round 15 off the bench which obviously historically he's been able to do when you look back a couple of years ago when he was with the Thunder and scoring practically 20 off the bench largely I mean if if they can do that and if if even Richardson even if Richardson's not shooting well he's a guy that can get you 10 points so imagine if he actually is if you can have some of that bounce off the bench which they really did not have last year and was such a problem we talked about it so often just sort of you know, have that that sort of staggered rotation, staggered build. I don't think uh, to you know, to, to go back to something Brad Stevens said all the time, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world who starts versus, you know, just what your rotations are and what your combinations are. Because as you know, guy can start getting the foul trouble and he's out forty-five seconds into a game. It only has so much meaning. But the the double big, I I'm, I'm I'm drawn to it. I really like it. I mean in, I'm intrigued by what it looks like with with a Rob Williams that is now you know unlike when he came into the league and Horford was here you know now he's he's more comfortable he's gotten the bag he's he's you know farther into his NBA career I want to see what this looks like and how these guys can coexist because to 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 go and I and I don't mean the relationship I mean just on the floor and how they play together because again to kind of go full circle with the show guys like we spent so much time off the top talking about how I don't know to go all meme on it it's like you know, and like everybody, like Jason and Jalen can't exist and they hate each other and, and and they're not best friends and blah, 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 blah. You know, nobody. Rob Williams wants to be adopted by Al Horford. That is their relationship right now. Like Jared Weiss, who was on yeah. the show recently, writing the article about that for The Athletic the other day. Like the, it's these guys just, and especially, it, it really, it, it comes from Rob above all else. But both of these guys, they are obsessed with one another. I mean, Al is is truly... Taking it he's you know he's seeing the light he's see, he's always been a leader in in terms of mentoring and and working well with you know guys on his team, a great teammate all of that stuff but now as as he sees the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of his n b a career seems he's really going next level in terms of wanting to mentor guys and wanting to take guys under his wing, you know more so than we've ever seen before, if I'm not mistaken, you know some of it i guess last year in very limited time with you know, the uh, the dude in OKC who was here for three seconds. But yeah. we're, you know, we're really seeing it now with Rob Williamson, and I'm excited about it.
2: Yeah, I kind of lean um, towards your way of thinking, because I'm totally with you that the, the double big of Al and Rob is nothing like our previous double big experience. Neither Tice or Tristan Thompson, you know, passed anywhere close to the level that either of those bigs can do. So you can run your offense through Rob in the high post. You can put Al on the top of the arc and, you know, use him to stretch the floor. And I also think when it comes to Josh Richardson, what was one of the biggest things we saw last year with the second unit was when the, when the NBA caliber players came out and they went all young guys, there just wasn't enough NBA caliber talent in those lineups. So I'm more, I'm more off the lines of, if let's say you start Neesmith, you can have a second lineup with more NBA quality players. So you're not going on these, you know, 10, nothing run, 10, two runs in the blink of an eye, just because there's no, you know, there's not a high enough level of talent. What I did find interesting though, is Ime basically said, listen, I'm not going to have this fluid starting lineup based on matchup. We're going to have our five guys and we're going to stick to that which I thought was pretty interesting because I would have imagined, okay, maybe a a team like Philly that has drumming in and beating and and maybe a bigger, you know, front court, you would go double big. But if you're playing someone like the Warriors or a team that plays with a super fast pace, why wouldn't you want to switch it up, start one big, and have an extra shooter in Neesmith? So, like, those are the things of Ime. we just don't know yet because we've obviously never seen his rotation in a real – season and maybe that'll be adjusted as we see different combinations and what works and what doesn't. But I'm just of the belief of I want to surround if you go back to what Brad said when he traded Kemba, he said everything we do is to maximize Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. For me, I want them with as many floor spacers and shooters as possible. So if I can start Horford at the five, have him be the first sub out and you know have him Come back in with the second unit so him and Schroeder can run pick and roll. Great. But I want guys that defenses are going to have to respect in terms of their three point shooting, knowing that you're already starting Marcus Smart and he's a 33, 34% shooter. If Aaron Eastmuth can shoot 38, 39% to the point where defenses have to respect him, that opens up your driving lanes. Then you factor in everything we hear from Drew Hamlin and Eme about how they want Tatum to play more downhill and attack the basket. Well, you need guys to create driving lanes. So that's why I think in a perfect world, Aaron Neesmith by like the trade deadline has played his way into being a full-time starter. I think that would be our perfect ideal scenario. We're not there yet, but I think that's where we end up.
1: No love for Wancho and Gomez. huh? can't, can't get a little, you know, you know <laughs> wondering what? if that if dude's even going to be in the, the
2: rotation. we saw on Monday plays well. I don't think – it's. I don't think you can rule that out because he does stretch the floor. If they want to protect, you know, Tatum or Jalen from having a guard power forwards and bang those bodies throughout a, a, an entire season, you could see it. I mean, he, if he can just hit spot up threes, he was one of the guys I, t- you know, I talked about their energy and effort. Watcho was everywhere. It was like, you know, I had, I didn't, I can't say I watched a ton of him in Minnesota and all that, but just if he's going to be a guy who doesn't care about touching the ball and just wants to make hustle effort plays, like sure, spot start him while you're trying to figure out what you know combinations work.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. I look, I, I like, the, I think he's he's fine. But you need guys, like you said, you need guys like that. You need guys like are going to crash. Like he had an offensive rebound, I think, early in the game. We we're like, where the hell did he come from? Like, yeah. where, where is? But that's the stuff you need energy plays like that. That's why Cantor – you know, as much as we all loathe watching Cantor play pick and roll defense, like his activity down low matters. Like Wancho, if he can find a way to separate himself from everybody else with that, just one element, that ma- extra possessions matter. They, they add up at the end of the game. So, I mean, look, he's not going to start. There's no way, but yeah. you know, the fact that he was even thought about in that, in that shows you maybe some positive, you know, signs going that direction. That's all. In the
0: uh, interest of time, obviously we'll, we'll go a little bit longer, but, uh, We've, we've talked about him a few times and, and now he's he's finally here he's playing there's been a, a lot of talk around him most especially because of what could have been for him financially dennis schroeder or schroeder depending uh there there's there's uh a little bit of debate out there in the social media world as to how he actually pronounces his name so maybe we could get him to say it until then i'll, I'll just call him dennis i'm excited i am excited not only about the the contract they got him on because I think it's just such a no-brainer to add a guy with that skill set and and a vet and that ability that talent who who can come in at less than six million dollars why in the hell wouldn't you I mean it's 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 some it's like the Knicks adding Kemba Walker for like eight million bucks a year you absolutely do it and you just take any potential whatever that comes along with it but I think this guy's going to be a really good fit and I'm not sure we're spending believe it or not enough time on that. I think there, you know, initially there was a lot of, I don't want that guy from people. He's not a good fit. He's not a good locker room guy. He's not a, you know, whatever. And now there's, there's not nearly enough of the, you know what? Like if, if this guy does, you know, doesn't go out of his way to be disruptive in the sense that he's, you know, chasing all that lost money and he just plays his role, you know, does whatever is asked of him and, and is the, the vet that everyone knows he's capable of being. And, and by the way, ev- does everything that so far he has indicated he's going to do. Like so far, no problems. He's been great. He's been a, a you know, a, a model teammate and Al Horford loves him and he gets along with uh, uh, everybody there. If, if he's this guy, I think he's, I think he's going to be a, a wonderful addition to this team.
2: Yeah, I just don't think it's very often you see starting caliber point guards signed for $6 million. So, right, just, just that point alone is like for a team that had a real point guard depth issue post free agency entering the draft or entering the draft and then post free agency, like you looked at the South's point guard depth chart when it was, you know, Marcus, Pritchard, Chris Dunn, like, you know, Carson Edwards, you're like, this, this is iffy. So just adding a starting caliber talent is obviously an upgrade. But I thought it was really interesting when they entered this postseason. The one thing that both Brad and Ime made abundantly clear to everybody were their roles. And I think we heard so much of that last year where oh, guys didn't really know who their roles, what their roles were, how they fit, all that stuff. If you listened, if you I think it was Jared Weiss, could have been Jay King, it was one of the athletic writers. When they talked about that signing, they said, listen, Ime in the meeting and Brad made it very clear to Schroeder that Marcus Smart is the starting point guard. There's not going to be any of this baloney once we get into camp. Like, your role here is our back, you know, our primary backup point guard. Either you accept that or you don't. And he signed on for it. So I think that's done wonders just initially of, you know, everyone's entering the season knowing what the pecking order is, knowing what their role is. If they get the 2019 OKC six-man Dennis Schroeder, it elevates their ceiling. There's no – I mean, mm-hmm. he was almost a what? 18, 19-point-per-game player yep. off their bench. He accepted that role. It was great. Where I think we don't know is like, okay, is he going to want to play – now that he signed for $5 million, is he going to try to force things as the six-man to try to like comp- overcompensate and show the rest of the league, hey – I'm worthy of a legit contract next year. In my opinion, he's going to get that contract if he sh- if he you know is able to play within that role and thrive like when he was a- on OKC. So while it's great that he has a skill set that they need, he seems to accept his role. What we don't know yet is once he's given the keys of those second unit, is he going to only look for himself? And I think he was one of the guys in the first preseason game you could see he was overpassing every time he touched the ball. It was like he wanted to stress that he was going to be a facilitator, and that was awesome. But when we're a month or two into the season, like how does that change if the second unit, like if nobody else can score, is he going to try to force things and be – something that maybe the team doesn't need for him in his ideal role. That's just what we don't know yet. Well,
1: I'll I'll point out, though, because he's going to give them something they don't have a ton of, and that's guys that can get into the paint with the ball in their hands. Like, they just have – like, I love smart. Smart's not blown by too many guys, right? You know, Pritchard's the same way. Neesmith takes about three dribbles, and you're pretty much done at that point. You know, Tatum and Brown, we know they can do that. We've seen it a lot. Uh, anybody that wants to talk about the first step of Jalen and Jason being slow, you're not watching basketball correctly. But what Schroeder gives you is that speed element with the ball in his hands that they don't have. And what's going to be so important, I think Green did a great job mentioning the, 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 the the chemistry he has with Al Horford from their past days in Atlanta, that's going to be big. I didn't think about how those two guys off the bench or, you know, playing on a unit together with, with, with maybe some guys that, you know, that aren't Jalen and Jason, how important that's going to be. But they're going to need that skill from him um, desperately because they they're their guards don't have speed. You know, right. Pritchard's a crafty player. I love the to death. I think he's awesome. But he's not going to blow by get too many guys. Smart doesn't either. Smart's a bully ball point guard. And we'll see, you know, how the new Marcus Smart looks as a primary distributor. I'm excited for what we'll see. Schroeder needs to be aggressive, um, especially with that second unit, because, again, with the lack of scoring. But he gives you the the ability to get inside the paint, which they've lacked. You know, I love, I love Kyrie. He was part of that. You know, he could do that at will when he felt like it. Kemba at first could do it, but after the injury, rough. Yeah. And that was the thing with Isaiah Thomas that I don't think people appreciate enough. Isaiah at his height could still find ways to get into the paint and mm-hmm. draw the attention to himself. And that's a, such a crucial part of being a point guard in today's NBA. Like it's not just about distributing the basketball. You've got to score too. Now there are guys that are way the other way that are really score heavy and don't do a lot of distributing. Dennis is going to have to do both. But in this particular in instance, he gives them something that they don't currently have. And that's why I like That's why I'm worried for Pritchard a little bit. And I'm worried about Pritchard's role because Dennis is going to give them that Pritchard can't. So does Pritchard get relegated to like an off ball two guard? He's too small for that position. Right. So how they make this work again, Ime and Brad and everybody else has got to figure that out. But I think Dennis's role is, is very clear on this team and to go from Jeff Teague, who is an NBA champion
2: (laughs) I know
1: Uh, Dennis Schroeder is a real nice pickup for Boston. No question. Yeah.
2: And to your point about, you know, the previous Celts guards like Isaiah and Kyrie and and healthy Kemba. If you looked at how those offenses ranked, those were top five offenses in the league Mm -hmm. because they were able to get into the paint. You look at last year where they were the middle of the pack. You didn't have that same sort of consistent attacking, drawing in the defense, kicking it out to shooters that just didn't exist. So, I am interested to see if he can keep that up when the games matter, but I think it is important that we all remember he's, you know, he's going to shoot, you know, mid 40s from the floor and 32 33% from from 3. So, I think, you know, there are zones on the floor where I want the majority of his shots to come from. I'm I'm down for him floaters, I'm you know, layups, attacking the rim, things like that. Where I just fear is you could tell in that preseason game when I think it was either the beginning of the fourth quarter, the end of the third, when like nobody could score, he was settling for the threes. And those are the types of issues that I saw last year that we saw on Monday is like when they were going through their, their scoring drought with that second unit, where was the attacking of the basket? Everybody was settling for the threes. And I think those are the things that you can see on film and correct. But again, like, God forbid we have another injury plague season. I feel much better about potentially sliding in someone like Schroeder as a starting point guard, as you mentioned, as a, as a Jeff Teague or, you know, a, a Pritchard as a rookie. So I just – I'm excited, but there's also questions we just don't know because we haven't seen him play. Greeny,
0: has IT reached out to you directly via DM to thank you for being his Twitter agent yet?
2: Listen, we we've, we've communicated back and forth. I actually thought I was about to break a little break a little scoop, but it ended up not happening. I just I just can't imagine that there isn't a role for him on any roster in the NBA when there are guys that I know are not as good as a healthy Isaiah Thomas. I just it's one of the weirder like like when he was on Washington in those 40 games, he was putting up, you know, 12 and 3 on 40% from 3. You're telling me there isn't one roster spot in the entire league for that? I just – I refuse to believe it.
0: I can only imagine how, you know, like su- the super fan in green he feels when he's getting DMs from Isaiah Thomas talking about the future of his NBA career.
2: Well, yeah, we go – I mean, we go way back. My love for him started when he was at, at Washington. I was at Arizona State. Uh, they He had that buzzer beater step back over University of Arizona. So from there I was like, all right, this is my guy, and I just – I just think he has more left in the tank. And I think if he is truly healthy and that hip is a hundred percent, there is a spot for him in the NBA and I will not stop tweeting about it until it happens. That is a promise.
0: All right. Well, what we will stop is this show, but we've covered a lot and I'm curious to see obviously what happens and, preseason games to come depending on when you're listening uh hopefully it is uh here on release day a friday because this team is playing tomorrow saturday against toronto it's the next preseason game the second of four they've got another one uh, not until wednesday after that against orlando again so you got to wait a few days (laughs) i know greeny it's going to be driving him nuts and then uh the 15th the last one that is uh, a week from today against miami and then we'll be all fixated on the regular season at that point in time so we just got to grind through a few more of these and see what direction they go. There are definitely trends that we saw in game one that I'm interested to see what they look like in game two. If in fact they are trends or if they were isolated that first game, but we'll be able to talk more about that come next week. But uh, obviously once again, want to remind you the show is brought to you by our friends at the legends brand. You can go to legends.com. Use the promo code it is beat two zero beat 20, 20% off your whole order offer ends on Sunday, October 10th. It's coming up quick. So make sure you uh, take advantage Again, Evan Rock in the sweatshirt. I got a t-shirt right here. It's awesome. Make sure you do it. And, uh, Greeny, always a pleasure, bud.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. And once we, once we get some, some real games, we'll have to see how we, if we're all so optimistic as we were, uh, you know, as we head into it, but I'm part of it's the, the green Kool-Aid, but I'm just with better health. I think we'll have a, a, a season that I think we all expect. Um, but. When has this team ever remained healthy? I think that's like, I'm knocking on every piece of what I have in my house. Like, just give me a semi to normal health season and let the chips fall where they may.
0: Well, oh, just remember, in terms of man games lost, at least, it would be almost impossible for them to be less healthy than they were last year. I know. With COVID and injury. So let us, let us pray. You say that and now. You say that now. I know. I said, right? Like, please. People knock are going to be pointing please, back at this please, very please. episode. October 9th is when Kaufman jinxed the entire Celtics season thanks a lot alright guys thanks for listening subscribe rate review all that good stuff on iTunes we'll catch you again next week
2: alright thank you